Dual Citizen, The Connection, Chapter 10. The next day, Freddy decided football was his hobby, which coincided with his all-time favorite, girls. Tracy didn't have the same interest in girls, and consequently had more friends that were girls, which puzzled Freddy. Tracy liked kung fu, and he and Moody loved to watch martial arts movies. So Granny called Granny Betty, Squeaky's mother. Squeaky was Ginny's first husband. By this time, Ginny had gone through two husbands before she married Alvin. But Granny continued her relationship with Granny Betty. Granny Betty was also an original member of the Wanderers, who loved to fish for bluegills. Tracy never saw such a small fish make such a grown woman happy. It so happened that Granny Betty also knew Jeff, who taught Kung Fu. So by September, as soon as Junior High let out, Tracy was at the YWCA to practice martial arts. Freddie was on the football field, and neither of the boys was running the streets as Granny designed. But there was one thing not right, at least for Tracy. Granny attended the Baptist church in town. Now that the boys lived with her, Granny introduced the boys to the congregation. Tracy certainly knew about God. He met him. But Tracy felt uncomfortable at Granny's church, and not without reason. After breakfast, he decided to talk to her about it. Granny, Tracy asked, but the front door opened. Hang on, Tracy, Granny said, and Granny Betty stepped into the living room. No smoking in the house today, Betty. You must be bacon, Granny Betty said, and took off her coat. Yep, Granny replied. Rum cake and bourbon balls. It's volatile. Granny Betty took a seat. Granny Moody got the bottle of rum from under the sink. Now you gotta be careful with this part, Granny instructed, or the whole place could blow. And she poured the 151 proof into the saucepan, took a swig, and stirred. I think we're safe now. And Granny grimaced from the rum. Now, what is it, Tracy? Tracy was unsure with Granny Betty there, and Granny Betty realized she walked in on something. It can't be that bad, Granny Betty said. We'll understand. Okay, Tracy said. I don't think I want to go to your church. Why not? Granny asked, and she was nice about it. Granny Betty was appropriately horrified. I just want something more, Tracy said. Granny stirred her rum, and Granny Betty patted Tracy's hand. And I heard the story. Tracy finished. Oh, the Granny said, and Granny Betty's hand retreated. Once Tracy went to middle school, it wasn't long before he was jonesing with the other kids at the lunch table. They weren't high. At the time, they thought jonesing meant cracking and telling your mama jokes. Your mama's so big, she can't wear a Malcolm X t-shirt, cause helicopters try to land on it. Oh yeah? Well, your mama's eyebrows are so arched, people keep honking their horn at her to order fries and a shake, because they think they're at McDonald's. In the fray, 
Rhonda told a story about Granny's church. Rhonda was the boy girl of the neighborhood, and her father ran all the clubs in town. He wasn't home much, but loved to spoil his daughter. Rhonda always had the newest dirt bike, and the white boys were jealous. But that was okay, because she could beat the crap out of them if they gave her any trouble. Rhonda also didn't fit in with Dina and May, who vied to be valedictorian of Tracy's seventh grade class. Unfortunately, at this particular time, Dina and May decided to have the same boyfriend. Well, May's mom found out that her daughter called Dina a slut. May's mom didn't do anything about it, and somehow Dina found out. The tinderbox exploded on a Sunday. After church, Dina confronted May's mom as they left the vestibule. From the sanctuary, there were large swinging doors, a short hall, and open doors that led to the tall brick steps up to the church. May and her mother were at the top step when Dina ran to catch them. I tell you, Rhonda said. Dina blew by past her, swung the doors open, and beat it to the steps. Next thing you heard was, I am not a slut. Then a pair of glasses flew back through those doors before the second swing. You mean? Tracy asked. That's right, Rhonda confirmed. Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes popped May's mom so hard, that woman's glasses flew right back into church. So neither granny could really say anything. Their church was often a mess of things. Everyone lived so close, and even Moody talked about the deacons like dogs. As a preacher's kid himself, the hypocrisy of Granny's church was too much, so Moody didn't go. Of course, Freddie went for the scandal, because that was obviously where the nice bad girls went. Regardless, Granny Betty called her daughter, Aunt Z, and later that afternoon Granny called Tracy into the kitchen. Aunt Z's picking you up for church Sunday. And that was it. No hard feelings. There were several small, house-sized churches in the tiny town of Rand. Two were Pentecostal. The one behind William Russell's house was a full-bore, snake-handling, strychnine-drinking, sign-following church of God. Tracy knew Aunt Z was afraid of snakes, so they wouldn't be going anywhere near that one. The other Pentecostal church was four blocks from Granny's house, and Aunt Z picked Tracy up on Sunday. As Tracy approached the door of the church, he had an odd feeling. Then, he was literally pulled across the threshold. Once inside, Tracy was enveloped by love, not by the people as much as the atmosphere. He was instantly comfortable. Granny's church was scripted, scripted announcements, scripted sermon, even scripted hymns that everyone knew to skip the third verse. Aunt Z's church was led by something unseen. They sang praise music with tambourines, and Tracy felt at home. At the end of the next week's service, the pastor made an altar call. Does anyone want to come forward to receive the Holy Ghost? The pastor asked. Without thinking, Tracy stood, and Aunt Z went with him to the altar. Once Tracy knelt to the floor, he couldn't move. The church came up and prayed over him. Then Tracy began babbling and had an out-of-body experience. 
Tracy looked down, and he saw himself knelt to the floor, speaking gibberish. Then church was over. The congregation left, but Tracy still couldn't move. Aunt Z and the pastor stayed with Tracy another hour until he stopped babbling. To Tracy, the experience finished as fast as it began, and he got up refreshed. Aunt Z explained he was kneeling for an hour, praying in tongues. Tracy didn't understand, and Granny wasn't too sure either. Boy, you ain't playing with the Holy Spirit, are you? Granny asked, because Tracy and Aunt Z had missed lunch by a mile. I'm not playing, Granny, Tracy said, and gave her a big hug. Then he looked at her with concern. Granny, is there anything I've done lately? And Granny didn't know what he meant. I mean, ever? Tracy explained. Is there any time I ever made you feel bad or hurt you? I mean, not just now, but, but ever. And Granny was dumbfounded. Well, if I did, I'm sorry, Tracy decided, and he was sincere. The next day, Tracy felt differently toward everyone else, too. At school, he apologized to everyone and made sure he didn't owe anyone lunch money. He also had a new awareness not to offend anyone. When he had a strong urge not to hang at the Jonesen session, Tracy began to understand. While Tracy knelt at Aunt Z's church, a deposit of love was made. Afterward, Tracy had an overwhelming sense of joy and not a care in the world. Being filled with a spirit made Tracy lose his eagerness for this world, and Tracy realized a profound peace. When he received the Holy Ghost, a standard was set. It was a standard Tracy would go back to time and again, which translated to success in his endeavors and opened doors for him. Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. The first was that November, when Tracy's Kung Fu teacher asked him to compete in Ohio. Tracy was so surprised he had to borrow a uniform. He competed using a northern Shaolin long fist form. To everyone's amazement except Jeff's, Tracy won. At the meet, Tracy met Ron, who also taught Kung Fu in Charleston. Ron introduced Tracy to Jean, who was a student in his class. Both invited Tracy to visit their studio when they got back, and the whole thing was a triumph. By the time Tracy returned home, Vero was at Granny's for Thanksgiving. Where'd you get that? Granny asked. Tracy held up his trophy. Did you have to fight someone? And Granny walked around her grandson looking for cuts or scrapes, but there was no evidence. Well, Granny determined, I don't think I'll know what it's for, even if you tell me. Come here, baby, 
Vera said, and admired the trophy. This is remarkable, Trace. And she looked at Granny. Where are you going to put it? Granny's bowling trophies were stacked on the shelves over Moody's hi-fi stereo. Granny went over, squished some in the middle to make space, and put Tracy's hardware in the center. Vera was astonished, but was more taken by how her little boy had changed. Tracy's move from D.C. made him a different person. He wasn't angry. Instead, her boy was confident, gentle, and most of all, happy. Vera was glad, but at the same time, the fact she was no longer raising her boys gave her mixed feelings. The previous summer, Mama Rowe had the same question. Vera was deciding whether Freddie should stay in West Virginia with Tracy. School was starting, and Vera went over to Rose to talk about Granny and Moody keeping her boys. Well, Shug, Rose said, I don't know which way to go on this one. I don't either, Vera answered. You certainly can't blame Tracy for hating Bobby, Rose decided. No, Vera agreed. It was horrible, seeing my baby trying to shoot down my husband with my own bow and arrow. Well, you know where I stand on that score. But now they want to keep Freddy. I know it's hard, but you shouldn't split him up. Roe took Vera's hand and pleaded with her. Don't let Bobby split those boys up. They're so close. You shouldn't let that man do that to them. So Vera didn't interfere, but not without reservations. This wasn't the first time Granny significantly altered Vera's life. Granny had a big part in why Tracy didn't know his father. But it was Moody who wanted to raise Tracy, so Vera relented and Tracy thrived. Although, in the end, the boys didn't stay together, at least not in the same house. By the following spring, Freddy's conversion to Monster was complete. He didn't do chores or listen to Granny. One day, Freddy came home with a sassy white girl on his arm from a holler that was home to the clan. The girl was not only white, she was the most rebellious kind of white Freddy could find. When Granny heard the front gate open, she was at the front door by the time it was relatched. To her horror, Granny saw Freddy walking his racist girlfriend up the walk beside her hostas. You will not be bringing that shit to my house, Granny stated, slammed the door, and called Ginny. So Freddy was moved down the street to live with Ginny and her three girls. In short order, training under Uncle Alvin and Aunt Ginny began. Alvin was an ex-federal agent, and Ginny was on her way to becoming a private investigator. Once Freddy moved in, boot camp was initiated, and Tracy was amazed. On Saturdays, Tracy voluntarily got up at seven, had breakfast, mowed the lawn, washed Granny's car, and Moody's if it was there. Then he headed down to Uncle Alvin and Ginny's to see what Freddy, Demi, Mia, and Marie were up to. But Freddy and his running cousins were asleep. They had been up before dawn and had already cleaned the house, done the dishes, weeded the garden, mowed the lawn, mowed their neighbors' lawns, three deep on each side and across the street, and washed Alvin and Ginny's cars. By eleven o'clock, 
They were back in bed and fast asleep. As for Tracy, he liked having his own room and living with Granny and Moody. He went to Aunt Z's church whenever they had service or Bible study, and he loved working out. He went every day if he could. The first time Tracy went to Ron's studio, the Kung Fu hook went deeper. Jean was working out when he got there, and Ron was playing with his sword. Tracy watched as Ron's sword made an amazingly loud noise, first in rapid circles, then over his head, then side to side. Ron added footwork and backed Tracy up to the wall and stopped with his sword an inch from Tracy's torso. Trust yourself, trust your students, but don't ever trust anyone. <laughs> Ron said and walked away. Tracy had no idea what that meant, but thought it was definitely cool. From then on, Tracy worked out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights, and Saturday mornings at Ron's studio. There he met Jim Charlie, another in the martial arts family, and trained with three teachers at once. He began a routine of brewer's yeast and protein to gain weight and muscle. From there, Tracy's martial arts family continued to expand, but that wasn't enough for Granny. Shortly after school was out, Tracy came home from church and Granny was pacing in the living room. Without a word, she motioned for him to sit on the couch. She examined him as she studied and paced and took another drag before she pointed her menthol at him. You need some responsibility, Granny stated, paced, examined, and smoked. You need something to care for and something that cares for you. And Granny did another lap before she turned in pre-aha moment and stared at Tracy. That's it, Granny yelled, as if Tracy answered her question, although Tracy hadn't said anything because he was hungry and was actually thinking of a ham sandwich. You need a dog, Granny decided, and circled her cigarette at him to confirm her findings. Research what kind of dog you want and get back to me and she went into the kitchen to start dinner. Granny and Moody always had field dogs, usually three, and Holly the Collie had saved Tracy a few times. When he was in diapers and left alone for a second, Tracy ran for the front gate and tried to open it. When the dogs heard the latch, they thought it was the mailman. When Holly saw it was Tracy breaking out, she grabbed his diaper. Little Tracy held on to the gate, but Holly was stronger and dragged him back up the walk. However, by the time Tracy was given his assignment, his decision was easy. One of Tracy's favorite movies was The Doberman Gang, not to mention the other Doberman movies of the 1970s or reruns of The Rockford Files that had a Doberman featured every other episode. Tracy also wanted a dog that had the qualities he strove for in his kung fu training. Sleek, aware, highly trained, and a protector. Granny loved the idea because the training would fill the rest of Tracy's free time. Besides, Moody always wanted a guard dog. Bonnie, named after Bonnie and Clyde from the Doberman Gang, was born in April, probably on Tracy's birthday. Tracy got his new puppy as summer ended. In September, school started for Tracy. School also started for Bonnie with her obedience classes Sunday afternoons, 
Tracy also joined band his eighth grade year. The marching band needed a sousaphone player. Tracy could get it off the ground, which was the only prerequisite. So with kung fu, band practice, and Bonnie's obedience classes, Granny's plan was complete. Tracy had no time to spare, didn't care, and Bonnie and Tracy became quite a pair. Tracy taught her fancy tricks from the movies and tracking, using Freddy as bait. By the time the band played at football games, they had a system. Tracy always cut through the baseball fields to come home, and as the days got shorter, Granny became concerned. Aren't you afraid of walking home in the dark? Granny asked. Don't worry, Granny, Tracy said. I'll have Bonnie come get me. Moody put down his paper. Not a good idea to train the guard dog to jump the fence. I got that too, Pawpaw, Tracy answered. I'll train her to do it only when I whistle for her. When Tracy came out of the band door, he would whistle. Bonnie jumped her fence and ran to him, and they walked home. Once they got that routine down, Tracy did one better. Bonnie walked Tracy to school. Tracy said, Go home. And Bonnie went home, jumped her fence, and Granny gave her a treat. Then Bonnie stayed there until Tracy whistled for her in the afternoon. So Bonnie and Clyde had nothing on Bonnie and Tracy. Bonnie was one of the most reliable friends Tracy had, to the point of almost freezing herself. Late in the fall, the band had a Friday night away game. It had snowed, and Tracy wouldn't get home until after midnight. At sunset, Bonnie escorted Tracy to the band door and went home as usual. After midnight, Bonnie heard her whistle and ran to the band door. But Tracy wasn't there. Because of the late hour, the school was locked up, and Tracy had whistled from the front door of the school. Then Tracy walked home, because he figured it was too late for Bonnie to come for him. The next morning, Granny noticed there weren't fresh tracks in the snow around the doghouse. If she wasn't in her doghouse, Bonnie lay across the front door. Granny checked. No Bonnie. When Tracy got up, Granny asked, Tracy, where's your dog? I thought she was here, Tracy said. He looked out the kitchen window to the doghouse, and Granny figured it out. Did she walk you last night? Granny asked, and Tracy nodded. Then she's probably at the band door. That's the last place she saw you. Tracy ran out and whistled, but Bonnie didn't come. When Tracy was almost to the band door, he saw footprints in the snow. But the prints only came around the corner before they retreated back to the band door. Tracy whistled again, and pointed ears peeked around the corner. When Tracy came around, Bonnie saw him and ran wagging. You know your dog was out there all night waiting for you, band members said on Monday. I know, Tracy said. That's when Tracy realized why Dobermans were called Velcro dogs, because they were so loyal to one person. Tracy had never known such friendship. And soon, through tragedy, Tracy would begin the deepest relationship with his most important friend, and Bonnie would help him, too.
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.